guys, welcome back to episode four of the Inside Club podcast series. For those of you who don't know me and perhaps have missed our bonus episode over the weekend, my name's Bradley Taylor, and I'm going to be joining Rob as a co-host on this series. Both of us, having spent the final two years of our chiropractic studies as members of the club, have worked with a great team on building the club's popularity, hosting some truly awesome talks. We're both super excited to share some of these with you, and we're both really passionate about hosting a platform where people can gain further insights into various areas of chiropractic and life. If you haven't already, go have a listen to that bonus episode where you will learn a bit more about us and what's going to be different about this Inside Club podcast. All right then, enough on that. Let's get stuck into this awesome talk we have for you guys. Today's episode is a repeat talk that was delivered last year by Dr. Tina Jorgensen, who currently practices in Brussels. In this talk, she addresses the relationship between chiropractors and functional medicine doctors. She also talks about women in chiropractic and the potential role of artificial intelligence and how this will impact our profession. We're unfortunately missing the first minute or so of the talk as the recording was started late in the night, but essentially she started off talking about her early beginnings at Palmer College of Chiropractic and making reference to her feelings around some of the influential speakers she listened to while at the college. Without further ado, let's get this talk started. So and so technique, like they did. We would be very successful, like they were. But I kind of sat and didn't feel quite comfortable with it. It didn't resonate with me. I'm, there's nothing wrong with financial success, not at all. But it left me feeling a bit awkward, like not totally okay. But there was this one woman that. Uh, came and talked to us, and I can still today remember every word she said. And this is the reason I'm here today, that she left a mark, and I'm hoping that I could inspire you and leave something with you in your future as chiropractors. Today, as we celebrate Women's International Day, <laughs> uh, I want to comment on the fact that chiropractic is the one of the best professions to be in as a woman. Yeah? It is one of the only professions with equal pay, equal opportunity, and equal weight in words. Yeah? There are a few others, but not many. Not many. I worked till a week before I gave birth to Mina, and I had two months of maternity leave, and then I've worked straight through more than 30 years just briefly uh, interrupted by another childbirth. <laughs> so you can have a family, you can have children if you choose so, you can have success all at the same time. And there's not a lot of professions that can offer that. Um, in Brussels where I work, Brussels is filled with top-notch lawyers economists, politicians, journalists, all stepping on each other's head, trying to get to the top, yeah? And the top is the fame being on the eight o'clock news, and they have it, the fame and the success. But what they don't have, which I see because I see them as patients, they do not have family relations. They do not have the freedom which you can have as a chiropractor. <clears throat> you can be high-key, low-key, whatever you want, but uh, there's basically nothing that you can't have. I mean, a carpet, you can make whatever style you want. Please come in. Have a seat. Have a seat. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about my husband. He comes from Morocco, and he came from a very poor family. Like, very poor. And remember... Accident. Morocco was a dictator, quite severe dictatorship back then. You couldn't leave the country, you couldn't have a passport, you couldn't get a visa, there was no way you could get out unless your family was exceptionally rich or well known. You could be very, very well educated, but you couldn't leave. But if you were a top sports person, you could. So my husband set out to be the best boxer in his field uh, at that time. And he made the national team, the King's Talent team, and he was selected to represent Morocco at the World Championships in Las Vegas in the late 80s. 
That was the first time he ever saw his passport. Briefly. He took his passport at the time. When he got it, he went home to his family and put the passport in a little plastic bag and tied a little rope around it, a long rope, and he put it at the back of his belt. And he went into the house and went <laughs> through the house with the passport after him. And I wanted to ask you if you knew why he did that. Well, I'll give you the answer in just a couple of minutes. First, I'll give you this introduction to functional medicine. As I said before, we're not going to go into any diagnostics. I just want you to know what it is, all right? And I want you to know about it. There is a big paradigm shift. I was just talking to Ian about it now. There's a big paradigm shift in the medical world where we've had so many years of, it's brilliant, antibiotics, corticosteroids, scans, I mean, there's nothing you basically can't be cured with, but we've overused it, right? A pill for every ill has worked all through my life, basically, but we're now reaching a point where, where people are, they're fed up with it. You hear it in your practice, no, 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 I don't want to go to general practitioner because I know they're going to give me the, you know, anti-inflammatory, the, the painkillers, the drugs. And there's this shift. You know, we've been using statins for, for cholesterol and realized that it was just all a big scam, right? This is an upheaval in the medical world. And so there's this place for another view, another way of doing things where we fit in perfectly. Show sure. it is a profession that can bridge between general medicine and chiropractic, if you ask me. So we learn to diagnose, right? We spend a whole lot of time and paperwork going, all right, okay, basically, it's not that. I hope it's not that, it's not that. It's not no red flag and yellow flag, right? You go through all of that, and when you're done with that, then we go over and then we do our chiropractic thing, right? But most of us, honestly, we do the diagnosis just to make sure that we didn't do anything wrong and we refer out to the right <coughs> person, right? And we can protect ourselves legally. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. And then we do our contact. But what about everything else in between? So it's not exclusively to any profession. A lot of people can become functional medicine specialists. And um, it is about how you feel. It's not about do you have the ankylosing spondylitis or do you have the Alzheimer's and is it an SI fixation or not. It's about everything else in between. How do you sleep? Are you tired? Are you depressed? Anxious? to your patients why they're tired beyond the mechanical diagnosis? What if you were able to explain to them why they're depressed, what is this being anxious, or why they can't sleep? And if you could give them an explanation and help them to help themselves and make them feel that they understand what's going on beyond the mechanical diagnosis. Yeah. Help them to understand, help them to take steps to feel better by themselves. Because they now understand. How about that? That is what functional medicine does. Yeah? And isn't that also the definition of a doctor, a teacher, right? In Belgium, where I work, um, functional medicine is practiced 
practically exclusively by medically trained doctors. Um, not, that's not the way it is in the US, but that's the way it is in Belgium. I don't know how it is here in the, in the UK. You know? There's also chiropractors. Also chiropractors, yeah. 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 But the bulk of them, have an idea? Probably the general practitioners. Yeah. In Belgium, it is uh, mostly endocrinologists, general practitioners, surgeons, uh, uh, and, and much fewer uh, non-medically non trained. Uh, uh, I mean, I can attend their seminars. I mean, every chiropractor can attend the seminars. It's not like exclusively to doctors. Um, but we cannot prescribe hormones, which is a, which is a big part of it, right? Uh, functional medicine is a breakaway group of doctors that believe in prevention, however, like us. There is as much opposition from the general practitioners to the functional medicine specialist as there is towards us. to obtain is that they want their patients to feel better. Yeah? They believe in prevention just like us. Yeah. And I always say, what if you were able to explain to your patients how he or she elevates their level of inflammation via the cortisol that they release and how does that affect their lower back pain? so that they understand and they are knowledgeable about it, how do you think that they would feel towards you? Okay. I will tell you a secret. The patient will put their trust in the doctor that knows the most about them trust in the doctor that knows the most about them and that cares the most about them. Yeah. And uh, functional medicine also takes a lot of interest in the well-being of the intestines, yeah. the microbiome, the relationship between friendly and hostile bacteria that live in our intestines. If there's an imbalance in the relationship between the hostile and friendly bacteria, if there's an imbalance, it can lead to a whole range of lifestyle illnesses like diabetes, allergies, depression, anxiety, autism. And you want to pay attention to the research that's being done in the enteric nervous system because that is, if you ask me, the future. I mean, I could talk about this subject for hours, but I think it's extremely interesting. They transplant fecal material into, uh, you know, from, uh, from overweight mice into skin mice. And then after, you know about this, and after a few weeks, the, the slim mice become obese without ever having changed their diet or their exercise. Yeah. So now this microfecal transplant is being used in hospitals to treat dangerous di uh, diarrhea, like in Crohn's disease. That's what they're doing now, and it's just the beginning. Like This is like, this is like medical, the medical world used to have three pages on the entire nervous system, and it was just like, what happens in the intestines stays in the intestines, and nobody cares. The ones that were gastroenterologists were the ones that weren't quite smart enough to make anything else. It wasn't an area of interest at all, and today research is like, booming with research in the microbiome. And what they will do later on is that they will treat obesity with microfecal transplant. They will treat uh, diabetes and probably Alzheimer's and all sorts of other things. It's like just the beginning. You want to keep an eye on it because it's very interesting and it, it's something that you can relate to. It is functional medicine 
starts with it, doesn't it? Somewhere? It starts with this base, which is the common knowledge, yeah? proper nutrition, fresh air, clean water, and healthy relationships. That's what we would say to our patients. Yeah? The next level is posture, breathing, mental exercise, and mental attitude and exercise. Same thing we would say to our patients. Then afterwards they go into, if you have any vitamin or mineral deficiencies, they have to be corrected. And if that and that and that doesn't function and you're still ill or too old or too ill or too uh, dysfunctional, then we would take hormone supplements instead of allopathic drugs. Okay? And that is why chiropractors work as functional medicine because they can do all of this. It is just the top one that you can't do with the chiropractor. And that's the only difference between functional medicine specialists in the, uh, what would you say, medically, uh, G GP medically trained and chiropractic medically trained. Yeah. There are some brilliant, brilliant pharmacists and uh, nutritionists that give as good diagnosis and injectors as the general practitioners. It's just that the only ones who do hormones are the <clears throat> and another thing is, the important reason why I tell you about this is that what I think is important is that they think like us. I think it's important. Uh, I used to be frustrated over the fact that when I would deal with medical doctors in my area, it was like we were talking a different language. We didn't get, I mean, it's not that we didn't get along with you know, with courtesy, we might be friendly, we want to network years, but it's always felt like that we weren't talking the same language, and I secretly thought to myself, did I miss something? Is that because we're not real doctors? Is that because chiropractors are not real doctors? Like this slight bit of inferiority complex for, you know, for several years, but actually that's not what it is. This breakaway group of doctors, this new paradigm shift, the way that they talk about diagnosis today is totally aligned with what I've done the last 30 years. So that's why I want you to know about it. This is the future, and this is where we will merge with, uh, with, uh, with, with the medical profession, in my, in my opinion. We're back to the integrity, in a way, they said, you know, everything starts in the gut, and I believe it does. Most of the general medicine, it, it starts in the gut. And it's, it's like they're opening their eyes to the fact now that nobody's really looked at that before. Now, and what I also like is they accept us as doctors. I know it's kind of queasy to talk about, but they do. You know, uh, when I get invited to a seminar with functional medicine, you know, I tell them who am I, where I come from, you know, what, what's my job. And when I come, there's the badge that says T.D. Robinson, Doctor of Chiropractic, and there's an equal discussion when we talk on, you know, when we have lunch, which I think is very refreshing. I go to orthopedic surgery conferences every year in Brussels to keep up on the surgical procedures and who does it, what doctors that I work with, what kind of surgery do they do. And there's 200 orthopedic surgeons from everywhere in the world. And the only women in the room are me, the sales reps, and the ones the surgical surgeons. And my badge is Mrs. T. So, if you have any doubts about approaching, when you get out into your practice, if you have any doubts about uh, addressing GPs, you know it's not a problem. There, there's a very good dialogue between general medicine and chiropractors. But, but if, you, if you're in doubt, just contact the functional medicine specialist because you'll be totally aligned with them and have absolutely no problem with swapping patients. I've had um, more than 30 years in practice often I try to kind of uh, find, you know, the few doctors in my area that, that I could kind of relate with or that I felt uh, at ease with. It, it wasn't all of them, but for the last almost 10 years that I worked with functional medicine specialists, it's like, it could have been another conference. Hey, I have a problem, you know, somebody has so-and-so, what should I do? Oh, don't worry, send them over, you know, oh no, send them to the hospital, okay, boom, boom. It's, it's like a dream collaboration. Because there's no, I'm so and so, and you're, you know, there isn't that. And I think it's so, so, so refreshing for us. Um, 
going to talk about something completely different. Your attitude. Your attitude decides if you will have a successful life, whether it's privately or professionally. Back to my story about the passport. The passport that represented the freedom Future. What he wanted to demonstrate with having the passport after him was that it follows me. I don't follow it. See? One of my mentors once said to me, do everything right and success will follow. Do not occupy your mind with how to obtain success or how to, excuse me, how to obtain success, but do things right and success will follow. Be a good person with the right attitude and everything else will follow. Do as Melanie says, don't study to pass your exam. Study to be the best doctor you can and study to be the best version of yourself. Some of the people that I went to school with went on to be researchers quite early on. And 20, 20, 20, 25 years ago, at our yearly conferences, they said, you must be evidence-based in everything you do, back in the 80s. And we were like, We just didn't get it. There was such a gap between what chiropractors came and learned at seminars and what the research was pulling their hair trying to explain to us, evidence-based, that's the future. We were like, they didn't know. They didn't know. It was, it was a total, total frustration. Now, 20, 30 years after, obviously it's appeared that what it, that they asked them to do was correct. It is the right path to follow. We must be evidence-based. We must be. I told you that general medicine is as cross with functional medicine as they are with us. They can't stand each other. They can't even be in the same room. No. But, okay, I'm talking about general medicine and functional medicine like it was two different groups. Just bear with me just for, just for terms of explanation. But general medicine or what we call the GC, no, Nokomitsa, what's the medical, yeah, the, the General Medical Association. They're trying all they can to sue these functional medicine specialists and get them you know, out, you know, but they can't. And do you know why they can't? Because everything they do in functional medicine is evidence-based. Everything. Because when you give hormones as a treatment instead of drugs. There is so much more evidence based on hormones because it's been researched for years on end, much, much longer and much more deeply so than drugs. Yeah? Uh, and so they can't. And that is what we have. As long as we always stay evidence-based, nobody can touch you. Nobody can touch you. You can be proud of what you do and you don't have to. What was it? Was it Prozac or was it Viagra? <laughs> one, listen guys, one double blind control study done on how many persons? Guess. 12. Two, on 12 persons and Viagra was sent on the market. One double blind control study. Prozac, five studies. DHEA, one of your uh, adrenal hormones, 15,000 studies, okay? So just to give you a little insight as to, you know, when you give the body a molecule which it is known, which is a molecule that we already produce, it is generally much, much safer than giving a drug that's been 
for example, mild to moderate pain, right? People used to frown at placebo effect. Oh, chiropractors have results just because they touch people. I mean, haha. But actually, that's not so bad. That is actually not so bad. Dr. Jeremy Howick, the author of Dr. You, uh, he will be speaking on the theme of empathy in two weeks in Berlin at our next ECU conference. He is, uh, I think he's an uh, um, Oxford uh, PhD award winning doctor in medical philosophy. Saying that uh, we should be applying much more empathy uh, to our patients. Old doctors listen. The old house doctor would sit down next to the bed and say, How are you? <laughs> How are you? But nowadays, nobody has the time. The young doctors spend between 30 and 60% of their time doing paperwork. You know? The young GPs today will go, Yeah, what's your name? Okay, cool. What is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> there you go. Up. And I've had patients. Oh my God, the young doctors, they're even worse than the old ones. They don't even look at you. They're just looking at the computer screen. But there is no time anymore. There is no time. And then the drugs get you the less time, less, you know, less empathy, more drugs. But guess what? Because, as I said, the doctor will put, the patient will put their trust in the doctor that knows about, who knows the most about them and who cares the most about them, right? Don't ever forget that. That's super, super important. One of the success tricks for my practice that I will share with you is that when the patient has come in, they've gone to the reception, they've had the forms, they've filled them out, they've file it's been made, the receptionist gives it to me, I greet them, I go into my office, I sit down, put my papers down, and I look at them and I say, please tell me about your headaches. Just take your time, I just tell you everything that I'd like to know. And then I put down my pen, I put down my pen, and I look at them. And then I don't say anything. relationship. Rest and digest, right? Prepare sympathetic. Be 
because we listen and that will start the healing in itself. And that, you know, that almost sounded a little, you know, cheesy right there. But that's exactly what Dr. Howe, you know, Dr. Howe is going to talk about at the ECU conference. That we shouldn't underestimate empathy and the bedside manners because it really does. Uh, how are we doing on time? How much are we? Uh, Don't worry about fine. it. All right. Because I just wanted to share a story with you about uh, a couple, of, a, a couple, a patient couple that I treated for, I don't know, 15, 18 years. They worked in Brussels and they retired. They moved to France. And they will come and see me, you know, every year or every six months when they come to Brussels, you know, you know they come in with whatever they have. And I treat the lady first. And when I was done with her, she said, listen, I don't want to go behind the back of my husband, but when he comes in, you know, he's had, you know, uh, she said, basically, she said to me, will you listen through what he's saying? Will you listen through and hear what he's saying? And I thought that's kind of cool when she said that. So he had had lower back pain. He had lost a lot of weight. He was, oh, there's nothing. He was kind of diminishing it. It wasn't so important. Don't worry about my back. It's fine. It's fine. His PSA was going up and down each time he had a blood test. And he was, in her opinion, terrified that a part of his anatomy wouldn't function anymore. So she said, please listen. And um, I listened, and I examined him, and uh, I was quickly searching back on his hip, and I said to my psychiatrist, you found coxarthrosis on top of the fact that you, you know, something with your SI joint and I'll take care of that. He had lost a lot of weight, but it, but it wasn't the pathological because I happened to know him 18 years earlier when he looked exactly like that. But he was now playing golf, he was outside hours every day, he did a lot of physical work. Uh, so obviously he changed his diet completely, so obviously he's lost weight, but, but she was worried of course that he had cancer. Yeah? Um, so I listened as I assured his wife that I would. And he went away feeling happy and content and I did, you know, his back thing and he went out. And I overheard him at the reception uh, talking when he was uh, paying his treatment. He says, the specialist who examined me uh, last year had diagnosed me with the beginning of a coxarthrosis. And Tina found that out. You have to say it. 
speak normal language, but you don't want to impress with the words. You know, you have a You have to do both, actually. You have to do normal language as well. All right. So let's see here. It is not important for your daily life as a chiropractor whether the profession can be proved scientifically. Right? I thought it was. Even now, we can agree that it's not really all clear cut, is it? Right? We have shit up there. And I'm sure that there are people in the extended year going, I don't know about this, but somebody tells me, is this evident? You know, do we know what we're doing? No. <laughs> you know, should I be here? Should I not be here? Uh, you help people. Who cares if it can be proved for the moment? Who cares? Mm. The attitude is everything. You will attract so many patients. You will attract so many people in your life. Trust me. I couldn't explain zero when I came out. I couldn't explain nothing about what I did in the beginning, and it doesn't matter at all. What we know today is that if we treat and we are very good at that, right? You agree with me? When we treat pain, patients, they sleep better, they feel better, they are less depressed, they are less anxious, and they feel more confident, right? You agree? So when we listen to Craig Kauchuk, conference, who's a researcher and a phenomenal speaker. I wish for you to hear him one day when you start coming to the ECU conferences. He's absolutely phenomenal. He says, science makes the pain the big unifier of our profession. We argue about technique and philosophy, which is nonsense. If we look at the comorbidities of lower back pain, at least what we suffer from when we have lower back pain, headaches, poor sleep, depression, anxiety, spine pain, if we can take away just the pain, we influence everything else. Right? We do not need to focus on the fact whether we're traditionalists or vitalists or you know, I don't know whether you, you know, there's so many words that describe whether you're this sort of chiropractor or that sort of chiropractor. And you know what? It doesn't really matter, in my opinion. It doesn't matter. What does matter is your relationship to your patients. You must be professional. You must be super professional, and you must have seen some very painful and embarrassing examples of that. And I'll share one of them with you. If you let me explain to that. Eric confides in me that um, he's had a relationship with one of his patients. That's not going on. But let me tell you something first. Piece of advice. There are three stages. Three stages. You can go to stage one, but you can never go to stage three. Okay? And importantly, you will never go to stage three before having entertained stage one and stage two. Okay? Let me explain. Stage one, patient's good looking. Kind of nice when he or she comes in. so that you like them. Him, her. Stage one. Okay. Stage two. You start fantasizing about him or her. And you start taking pleasure in it. Stage two. 
imagine yourself in certain situations. From there, there's a very slippery slope to stage three, where you will engage in a relationship, and I can tell you, it will get you in trouble every time. Eric told me about that he was infatuated with one of his patients. And uh, he'd gone through stage one, he'd gone to stage two, he'd gone to stage three. And uh, I wasn't at ease, I didn't know what to say. I realized when I went for Jakob was uh, researching to find one, it was like a diet called yeah, 80 20. 20. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, no, this is a concept. We call it 80 10 10. 80 10 10 is that if you do a good, if you're a good person, you do an ethical good job, you get 80% success. 10% of things that you will touch will work out, maybe, maybe not, but 10% of things you do, just you're gonna screw up. When you're in a relationship with people, 80% of people are generally gonna like you here at the college, right? 10% they don't do that. <laughs> and 10% of people will dislike you. No matter what you say or do, they will just dislike you. And you can just see, you can tell them, they look at you, you can just tell them, like, you know. Huh? I'm here to tell you today that 8 out of 10 is pretty damn good, okay? It's enough. Uh, unfortunately, we have a tendency to focusing on the negative, right? You could have had a week or a month where you'd had good grades, you'd had a good sports performance, you know, you'd washed all your dirty clothes, somebody gave you a compliment and told you that your hair was nice or whatever, but one person, one person said something not so nice. One critiqued you. And what are you going to brew over for the next two weeks? Honestly, to that one remark. Right? Because we, as a human species, would pay much more emphasis to the negative, more so than we go to the positive. But, like I said, 80, 10, 10, Good enough. In school, you practice getting good grades, and in practice, it's not about grades, it's about being a good person, like I said. When you're dynamic, and or when you're charismatic, we have a way of saying, if you're on fire, people will come and watch you burn. And that's in the practice, and it's also in your life. People want to be around you if you are uh, dynamic and or if you are uh, charismatic. Um, um, what does it uh, mean to be charismatic? Do you know the author Deepak Chopra, Indian philosopher and medical doctor? I had the great fortune of spending time with him, and uh, he said, he said, positive people are just boring. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Right, and you know that they're not fine and they don't give a damn. <laughs> um, but, and he said, and I was like, because I was, where I was brought, it was like, smile the world, the world's nice to you, and let's be positive and upbeat all the time. But actually, the, we all know that that's not really what's, but char charisma 
is really what counts. And he says, a charismatic person is somebody who is totally comfortable with their good sides, and at the same time completely comfortable with their dark, deep, negative, ugly sides. That's charismatic. That you don't try to shy away and hide the bad sides of yourself and enhance the, <laughs> you know, that's, that's charismatic. University did actually a study on uh, who would have success in their life. Was it people that had high grades? Uh, you know how they grade in the states A, B, C grades? Do they do that here as well? No. A being A, 90 to 100, you know. So they found out that it wasn't people with A grades that had you know, 20 or 30 years, I can't remember how many years after they measured, after they graduated from Howard University, were they successful, were they depressed, were they, did they have a family, did they have a network, no, 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 the parameters for, I don't know. But they found out that it was not the A grades and the A attitude, but it was the C grades and the A attitude. Yay. <laughs> so you don't have to be the best in school, but you will have to have your attitude has to be flawless. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> artificial intelligence. We had the first presentations on chiropractic and artificial intelligence last year at the ECU conference in Budapest. And um, information is an asset, we know that, right? Uh, the ones that control the information controls the future. dysfunction and artificial intelligence, right? The problem is that nobody has collected the data in the field of musculoskeletal dysfunction. So please, engage in collecting professional information. If you don't have a heart as a researcher, it's all right, but do help your colleagues I mean, I sometimes have a very busy day and it's like, oh shit, another shooting monkey, what is it called, a monkey survey, and you know, help your colleagues here and there, and they're doing some sort of, it's like, oh God, you know, but you have to do this. You have to help um, and give a hand to those who uh, collect evidence and data, because data is everything. We as carpenters have to collect and share info about treatments and results. I know that my treatment is effective for a whole array of uh, conditions. But it's here and here and here. I don't have it on the computer. I don't have it in any database, and that is a big mistake. Nobody up till now has that info, as I told you, but we, if we will not do it, somebody else will. Do you understand that? We think we're the specialists. So does the osteopath, so does the physiotherapist, so does the manual medicine, so does the orthopedic world. A lot of people do exactly the same thing as we do and we claim to do it, well, we're better. We're, you know. But the ones that have the information in the future are the ones that will be the leaders in the field. Uh, when we collect all the MRI images in the world and put them into a data bank, it can work for us in diagnosing, and it will be the artificial intelligence that can diagnose an MRI quicker than the human eye. How much quicker? 40%? A lot faster. A lot faster. A collection of all the music in the world, collected onto a data bank, produces a piece of classical music or film without a human person ever being involved. Have you heard some of the classical music on the internet from artificial intelligence? It's incredible. It's, it's pretty scary, pretty scary. 
So we need to document. A fart buys a light that slaps people when they lie. And he decides to test it out over dinner one night. And um, he asks some what did you do this afternoon, my son? I said, uh, how's the homework? And the robot slaps the son. All right, all right, all right. I was at the friend's house watching a movie. All right. What movie did you see? Bohemian Rhapsody. The robot slaps the son. And uh, the son says, all right, all right. We were watching porn. And the father says, you were watching porn at your age. I didn't even know what porn was. The robot slaps the son. And the father laughs, oh, he certainly is his son. And the robot slaps the son. All right. So that's it. Thank you for listening, guys. If you have questions, feel free. If not, have a great weekend. Artificial intelligence connected? Exactly. Well, we know with the MRI, right? Okay. That uh, we know that if we have artificial intelligence, we don't need to use this very expensive upright MRI that you have. Nobody needs to man it. We don't need persons. We'll simply just lay the patient down and the artificial intelligence is like, so it's a diagnosis. How is it going to be in chiropractic? I mean, it was, it's not very far away to imagine that you have a palpatory machine that has had all the information and will say, here's lack of mobility, here's lack of mobility, here's lack of mobility, here's less degrees, here's two degrees less, here's three degrees. For every muscle, every part of the body. And are you just going to adjust or like what's... I don't know. I don't hope so. That's what everybody's asking. The question is like, we're going to have robots manipulate. I don't know. I have no idea, but it is, and this is what we talked about at the ECU conference last year, it is a steam train, guys. It is rolling, and there is no way getting off that. I don't know where it takes us, but in the medical world, in blood analysis, in uh, uh, blood, urine, radiology, diagnosis on a distance, app on your phone, little drop of, of blood, Onto your phone, okay, you have too high sugar, call in the hospital. That is just around the corner, okay? That you don't need to go to the hospital, you don't need to be diagnosed. Mm -hmm. uh, it, is, it is just around the corner. But how is it gonna affect us, us directly? When are we gonna have somebody performing a, a robot manipulation? I don't know. But I personally think it's gonna come in much, much quicker than, than we think. Now that doesn't mean that we're gonna be out of a job, I don't think so. I think that there's going to be a place for um, uh, somebody would rather still go to a general practitioner, talk to him and have a diagnosis instead of having it on the app. I think there'll still be people that would want to go and see an old-fashioned chiropractor instead of having all the diagnosis done already and then choose whether they want to go and have the manipulation. Uh, I, I, but I don't know. I mean. When I was when when I was this age, you know, telephones were like big clunky black ones with the, you know, and we're like, ee, ee, ee. so it's like, what happened in in, in in 50 years? I can't even imagine. But it's it's amazing and scary. Have you any thoughts on? No. First time I'm hearing that uh, artificial intelligence is connected to chiropractic. And we're probably going to hear about it at the ECU conference in two weeks in Berlin, but it's, uh, yeah. But where it's going to, it's not like we're going to have this weird, <laughs> but the information, the asset is information. So the data banks of information 
allows artificial intelligence to be so much more accurate in the diagnosis, much more accurate than we are as humans, and that is what's, that's why all the information that we have, when we collect it, artificial intelligence becomes quicker than us. How it's gonna look physically, I have no idea. I have no idea. It would be interesting, I mean, I think that what you guys are learning now, I think in 20 years it's gonna be,
and then go and see Dr. So-and-so who's in your area which I work with. And then I get the results back and then it's no longer my responsibility. The patient understands why they're having pain, they understand why they have flare-up of back pain and or inflammation because they might have been in a situation of stress in there. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this talk. Most of all, thank you to Dr. Jorgensen for coming down to Bournemouth to share so many great insights with the students of the AACC and now the listeners of this podcast. Our next episode, releasing Monday next week, will be another pre-recorded talk by veterinarian and animal chiropractor Kirsten Becker. She's a tutor for the International Academy of Veterinary Chiropractic and has loads of useful insights into the realm of animal chiro. Robin will be introducing that talk to you guys. Being an animal chiro himself, he is super excited about sharing this with you all. Goodbye, everyone, and have a fantastic week.